Welcome to the Bible Conversation Podcast with Chris, Dan, and Dylan. Let's have a conversation. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Bible Conversations. We are excited today as we actually have a, a special guest, somebody who, who heard of our podcast, who lives all the way in Oregon, has reached out to us and is, uh, is wanting to talk with us about some, some very difficult issues um, and so he, he attends the, the Baker City Christian Church. He is an author of a young adult fantasy book that just came out recently. Uh, it tackles some of these difficult issues we'll be discussing. And the reason that we brought him on here is uh, really to, to bring a firsthand perspective of, of some of these issues. So, uh, Stephen, do you mind uh, telling us a little bit about yourself, anything that I, I, I did not mention there? Yeah. Um, well, uh, like you said, my name is Steven, and uh, I've been writing since I was uh, 16, so I've been doing it for 14 years now, and uh, been through a lot of stuff, and God, as of uh, just the last kind of couple of years, has done a tremendous amount of healing in my life, and really put on my heart to um, tell stories and uh, share my testimony with others, uh, to let them know that, you know, even though they've been through hard things, they're they're not alone in those hard things. Well, that is awesome. Um, we're glad that you're willing to share that. We're glad that you're willing to to do all of that because I know that that's that's not easy to talk about things uh, things of that nature. And and for the listeners who might be a little curious right now, what what we're talking about really is uh, abuse and 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 very specifically. Uh, sexual abuse. And so uh, before we jump into the scriptures, Stephen, you mind, if it's all right with you, giving us, I guess, a little background on why this topic is so important to you? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, um, there are so many uh, things that I've seen within the church, so much brokenness kind of hidden behind the Sunday smiles. And, um, you know, the expectations that are put on Christians to be perfect, to, um, to be held to a standard where, you know, it's uh, Pinterest perfect, or, you know, it's what you share on Facebook, that it's really hard to come out and talk about hard-hitting topics. Um, particularly when it surrounds abuse. Um, unfortunately, you know, uh, it doesn't take much of a Google search to find uh, abuse running rampant in uh, the capital C church as a whole. And the, the ones that I'm talking about specifically are um, physical, emotional, sexual, and mental abuse. And those are things that I have gone through personally, um, every single one of them. And people don't necessarily understand or hear about um, the emotional or mental abuse. They'll, they'll hear more about physical and sexual, but so much of that is wrapped up into all four when you're experiencing abuse. And so... Being able to talk about it, share it, and um, find healing is really what I want to to talk to specifically my fellow you know brothers and sisters about because it's 
It's such an important topic that doesn't get discussed often enough. Well, Stephen, I really, I just want to commend you for, for standing up and wanting to talk about it. You know, um, it's like you're saying, it's kind of a taboo topic, if you will. Um, something that is definitely not touched on is as much as it really should be. Um, it, it's something that is more rampant and one of those things that just hides in the shadows, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah I, I just wanted to commend you for, for being willing and, and stepping up in order to talk about it um, so that we may help someone who is also going through it. Yep, that's, that's the whole point of uh, why I wrote my book and why I wanted to reach out and, and talk to you guys and why God has specifically put it on my heart to talk to Christians about this. Um, because I, I feel like as, as a believer, someone who is, uh, you know, I, I, I knew, came to know Jesus when I was six, and the, the, the stuff that I've dealt with alone was not something that I was ever supposed to deal with alone, but it was never talked about. And it was always shameful. There's a, there's a stigma around um, Christians who have been abused or who are addicted to pornography or just who are, you know, doubting, questioning their faith. You know, you're told to have more faith. And it's like, well, I can't really have this. I can't just manifest it <laughs> out of nothing. Yeah. You know, I need, I need help. Uh, and that help ultimately uh, comes from Jesus. And I, I, I wholeheartedly, I think the three of us wholeheartedly agree with the, the idea and the premise that the help comes from Jesus. Right? It's only through Jesus that, that the healing can begin. It's only through God that true healing can begin. And so uh, what, what I want to ask you is, well, how do you recover from this? How do you, how do you go from having been physically or sexually or emotionally or uh, mentally abused Right? How do you recover from that to regain control of your life? Yeah, that it's that's that's a difficult uh, question because there's there's so many different layers to it. Um, but the the number one thing that um, just in my experience, one is I had to get into a counselor. Now I was already in a recovery group. Um, with uh, half a dozen other guys. And that was for my pornography addiction. And when I had these trauma memories resurface of my grandfather abusing me, then I needed, and my mentor was like, dude, that's above my pay grade. I love you, but you need to go get a counselor. And I wholeheartedly agreed with him. And so I found, um, at the recommendation of my church, a, a solid Christian um, sexual abuse therapist. So he's, um, that is what he does, is he specializes in sexual abuse recovery. And uh, his name is Alan Wheatley, and he was, just, he was an absolute godsend. Um, but that's really like one of the number one things. Now, as Christians— Sometimes it can be hard to admit that we have a problem and that we actually need to get outside help. We're like, well, if I just pray harder, if I just read the Bible more, if I just 
muster up enough faith, I'll be able to heal on my own. And that's simply not the case. We have deep hurts in our lives that we cannot manage by ourselves. And God bless our fellow brothers and sisters that if unless they are a counselor, they're really not equipped to walk us through. They can be 100% behind you and supporting you and, and loving you through that, but they're not going to be able to guide you through the steps of actually recovering uh, or taking that first step of recovery by getting a counselor. And the second part that kind of goes with that is you have to learn uh, in time, because it's not an overnight thing by any, any stretch of the imagination, uh, you have to learn to turn into the pain which you are running from. And people develop coping mechanisms. My coping mechanism was pornography. For others, it's uh, drugs. It's uh, sex. It is alcohol. It is uh, workaholism. You know, people develop these coping mechanisms to cope with the pain that the trauma of life either big traumas like mine or little traumas of like, you know, uh, someone said an unkind word to you that just kind of demoralized you and you've held on to that, you know, from childhood and you, you remember it perfectly, you know, back in middle school uh, or kindergarten or whatever it is. We develop those coping mechanisms so that way we numb the pain and we don't have to feel the hurt anymore. And part of recovery, and which is why it's important to kind of have a counselor or in, be in a recovery group, uh, preferably both, is that you learn to turn into the pain. You turn to face the pain, and you face it with God. It sounds like, Stephen, uh, you know, you're speaking from a scripture in Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 6. You know, the writer says, by wise counsel, you will wage your own war. And in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. And this is war, uh, isn't it, Stephen? I mean, you're going to battle with uh, the devil and with these temptations and with uh, pain, as you've called it. Um, You're going to battle with all these things. And so, you know, Proverbs talks about counselors uh, uh, finding finding safety there. And it sounds like uh, you were able to connect with um, someone uh, who really had given much of their, their life in uh, trying to, to help others uh, deal with this, this pain and uh, these, these issues. And, uh, and through that, you were <clears throat> uh, able to uh, recover uh, or at least begin the healing and uh, and and walk down that that road, and uh, it sounds like this this person also who helped you, um, like you said, was a, a Christian counselor, so they had uh, their their faith in God, uh, which which you know is is critical. It's important, you know. I'm sure when Proverbs speaks about these counselors being safety, that probably needs to be qualified, right? <laughs> and we need to under, oh, yeah. uh, understand uh, what kind of counsel. We're looking for what what does this person what kind of foundation uh, does this person have and believe in where is he where is he drawing strength from to to help bring you strength you know also I want to yeah. uh, piggyback off of what Dan's saying there 
And kind of what you mentioned before, uh, Stephen, when you're talking about, you know, some some of the reason that Christians have this stigma about abuse and and being a, a victim or, or having addictions that way. Uh, you, you mentioned there's the stigma, and, and sometimes it's just the, the thought that, oh, if I have enough faith, if I pray more, then then I'll get through that. I think the reason that, that that's a serious problem is because when, when that's the thought, when that's the idea that, oh, if I just have faith, have more faith, have stronger faith, then I'll be able to get through that. You have to have the question, what, what's the faith in? Because when, when you say that, when you say, you know, I, I can get through this if I just have a, a stronger faith, then it's that, that's relying on yourself. That's relying on, oh, I can do this. I, I can pull myself up on my bootstraps, if you will. And it's under the disguise of, of well, it's through faith. But it, if it's really just, oh, I can pull myself up, your faith is just in yourself. Your faith isn't even in God at that point. Yeah, exactly. And uh, then it becomes about works. Yes. It becomes about, you know, what you can do. And uh, so, like, in my recovery group, one of the things that we— um, that we talked about is that uh, through Pure Desire Ministries, um, which is a fantastic min- ministry based out of um, Gresham, Oregon, um, they have the Conquer Series videos. And uh, these videos are specifically uh, talking to men about um, pornography addiction. But there's parts of it that talk about, you know, like we, we, the, the reason why men go there is because of um, past abuse in some way or some form of trauma. Um, but they they talk specifically about the rhema of God, the word of God, um, the double-edged sword. And the, the rhema promises that God can give to you. So like uh, the, the example that they give is like, have you ever been reading through the Bible and a verse just, it just smacks you upside the face. And it's like, read me, this is for you. Yeah. Um, one of those that is um, one of my promises that when I read it, God just <laughs> smacked me upside the head with is like this, this is for you, is uh, Psalm 59, verse 16 and 17. It says, but as for me, I will sing of your strength. Yes, I will joyfully sing of your faithfulness in the morning, for you have been my refuge and a place of refuge in the day of my distress. My strength, referring to like, God, you are my strength. I will sing praises to you, for God is my refuge, the God who shows me favor. And it was a way for God to remind me that you're not, you don't have the strength to do this apart from me. I'm the one who gives you the strength. I am your strength. Lean on me. I am your refuge. I am your safe place. And that is, that for me just grabbed me. And I was like, wow, that it just, it kind of reframed how I viewed myself in my ability to do things, you know, like just have more faith. It's not something that I can do. It's something that God gives me and brings about in my life. And, you know, the, the other two aspects of um, recovery are uh, learning healthy ways to live. And so there's there's a, a period of time when you're just kind of learning how to cope in a, a more healthy way. You know, so like one of my healthy coping mechanisms was uh, reading. And so 
I know that like if I'm if I'm feeling stressed or anxious, which are both uh, triggers for me, then I will go to a book and I will read. Um, but the problem is, is that when we continue to seek out healthy coping mechanisms, we become a dry drunk. Um, and you're not really healing because you're not really living. You're just simply coping. And so there's a, there's a time and it, it differs for every single person. And, uh, every person is going to, some may take, uh, longer, some may be shorter, but you have to get to a point where you're no longer simply coping with life or your pain or your trauma, but you are starting to live, which is really what uh, John 10.10 goes into, where it says, Jesus is saying, a thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came so that they would have life and have it abundantly. It's not talking about wealth. It's not talking about fame. Uh, it's not talking about, you know, things of this world. It's talking about, I have come so that way you might live. You don't have to cope. You don't have to uh, remain a victim. You don't have to stay in the trauma. You don't have to um, live in this darkness. I came so that way you could live fully in me, not apart from me. And that goes into getting into a community of believers, getting into a community of people who um, have gone through what you're going through and can support you. And being honest about your story. Um, and that, that goes into um, other things that uh, I'm sure we'll probably get into later. <laughs> yeah, so I've got a couple of verses actually that, that came to mind as, as we've been talking about this. And, you know, I, I agree wholeheartedly. It is, it is absolutely crucial to have a group of people around you who share the same beliefs as you who are willing to lift you up and help you through difficult times. Uh, I also believe it's incredibly crucial that you meet with someone who is qualified to discuss the issues, right? Like both of those things are absolutely necessary. And one of the things that I'm reminded of is is found in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. Uh, Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. See, Jesus, man, as he lived this life, he experienced everything that we experience. He understands what we have gone through. He understands what's going on with us. And and he understands how to deal with it. Um, You know, we... We can trust in Jesus. Jesus is our great high priest. He's our counselor. He's our comforter. He's the prince of peace, right? He's who we rely on and trust in. And so not only do we need to rely on the people around us, right, to lift us up. That's why we have a community of believers. That's why we have the church, the ecclesia, right, the called out ones, so that we can lift each other up. We can't live this Christian life alone. It's, mm-hmm. it's why we need a, a counselor, someone to trust in, someone to uh, to help us work through these problems, right? We can't we can't work out the difficult things in life alone, but most importantly, we need Jesus. And if we don't have Jesus, then at the end of the day, right, that, that verse that you mentioned in John 10, right, come to bring us life. Well, at the end of the day, 
We may live this life, but if we don't have Jesus, we're not going to live eternal life with him. And that's, that's the, I guess, the kicker, right, is, is we want to make sure that, that our life is, is glorifying him and that all of the problems and struggles we go through in this life, yes, we conquer them. Yes, we, we take over them, and, and we also use them to help others, but we don't let them stop us from serving God. Um, right. And I think, that's, I think that's huge. I think that's big is everybody has their own battles and their own demons, right? And as Dan was saying, right, you're fighting a war. You're fighting a war against your own demons and everybody's got their own and, and some to a greater extent, some to a lesser extent. But but without Jesus, we lose that war. Without Jesus, yeah. we're lost. Yep, 100%. And, you know, one of the other, uh, the verse the verse of the day actually on um, my Bible app uh, was it, it put the uh, get into a community aspect in um, just a, a perfect frame. So it's Galatians 6, 2. It says, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. You know, we're, we're called as Christians to bear one another's burdens, to help each other with the heavy burdens that we all carry. Um, you know, and, and this is the, um, the framework kind of uh, that I weave in, in the book, the... Um, that aspect of being with each other and because everybody's broken. That's the thing is that everybody, be they Christian or not, has brokenness in their life in some form. The difference is, is that as believers, we actually have a hope for those things. And, um, and I'll, I'll touch on that, um, with kind of like the, the second, uh, question, the, the the second overarching question, but that is kind of the the whole point is that we're supposed to help one another, but we can't do that unless we talk to each other and we move past this uh, the Sunday smiles where you know you walk up to Bob and Bob's like, hey, how you doing? And you're like, oh, I'm just good, living for the Lord, you know, and it's a big fat lie. And then, you know, you walk, you take the bulletin that you're probably not going to read anyway. You go and you sit down and you're so busy that entire service trying to think through how you're going to keep everyone else that's sitting next to you from knowing that your house of cards is about to come crumbling down. Then, one, you don't even hear what the message is. Two, you're not able to help somebody else's burden. And by sharing with each other, you're like, oh, well, I don't want to, I don't want to put my burden on them. We're called to do it. Galatians 6, 2 says, bear one another's burdens. It's not a suggestion. <laughs> yeah. And that's actually, and I don't know if we've mentioned it in another podcast, but I, I talk about this with, uh, actually quite a bit. You know, this is probably one of my favorite verses, Galatians 6, 2. Um, the, the word bear there is actually the Greek word bastizo, which is the same word that is that Christ used when he carried his cross. Um, which I find really, really cool. The second part of that is we can't bear somebody else's, someone else's burdens if we don't know about them, right? So exactly. if somebody isn't willing to tell us, we can't help them bear it. Uh, and if we're not willing to tell others, they can't help us bear it. This does not mean necessarily, right? Like using, using your example, right? Like it doesn't mean that you need to or have to go out and tell everybody and their mother what you've been through. But it does mean you need to tell somebody, right? It does mean you need to tell right. people that you trust, people that you you feel that you can confide in, right? You don't have to tell, uh, you know, Joe Blow down the street, right? That 
you've got all these problems, right? Joe Blow doesn't care. But the person who's sitting next to you in church, the person who loves you, the person who cares about you, the person who wants you to go to heaven with them, right? They care. And that's someone mm-hmm. that, that you need to be able to confide in. And so I think being able to, you know, that, that verse, I think, you know, bear one another's burdens and the, the implication of we have to share. Well, we don't have to share with everybody, but we do have to share. And I think that's, that's, a, that's an important thing. And I, I want to commend you for being willing to do that. Just I think as, as Dan mentioned or Dylan mentioned earlier, right, your willingness to share is a big deal. Uh, and, it, and it's going to give other people the courage to do the same. Um, so I think I think that's awesome. Um, as we move forward, I know that there's one more question uh, that we wanted to address, and that is, why does God let bad things happen? Why does God allow bad things to happen? And this is a loaded question, and I know we don't want to spend too much time answering it, but I do want to give some sort of answer. So I'll, I'll let you talk first, and then I think Dylan's got a couple things that he wants to say about that, and, and possibly Dan as well. So I'll, I'll let you go ahead and, and discuss that real quick. Yeah, so this is this is one of the, the issues that I tackle in my book. And uh, it was <laughs> when, when God laid it on my heart, I was like, oh, okay, that, that's, a, that's a weighty topic there. <laughs> and honestly, there is no umbrella answer. Um, because God is not an umbrella God. He is a personal God. And so the reason he allows something bad to happen in your life is going to be very different for the reasons that he allowed it to happen in mine. And what I have found in, in asking him, because I ask this a lot. I'm like, God, why did you allow me to be molested as a child? Why did you allow me to get into pornography addiction? Why did you bring my marriage to the point of, or allow it get to the point of almost complete and utter destruction because of um, pornography, which was then, you know, kind of looking back because of the abuse. I was like, why did you allow all these things to happen? Now, Job asked very similar questions, and he didn't really get an answer. Um, God uh, last year gave me uh, a personalized answer for me um, that completely recontextualized how I viewed my past trauma. And it I, I was walking and just kind of, it was like that moment where you just kind of stop and you, like you ran into a wall. And he's like, it, this panorama film is almost what it looked like. And it's like, here's all of the bad things that have happened to you in your life. all Everything that you've been questioning my goodness about. He's like, I could have stopped it from happening, yes, because I am God. But, and then he flipped it over. Here's all of the lives that you would have never touched, never helped, never spoken hope into, had you not gone through that. And it was in that moment that I found such a peace with what had happened that I was like, I can honestly say, that if I had the opportunity to go back and I was given the choice to change it or allow it to happen, I would allow it to happen because the people whose lives I have touched through sharing my testimony, many of them I don't even know um, beyond um, a, a profile picture. They reached out to me and they're like, how did you forgive your grandfather? Or I'm going through this right now. How, how did you do this? 
those people are worth it to me. They're the reason why I, I continue to share my story and I, that I'm an open book about it. I don't hide my ugly. I don't hide the ugly that was done to me. But I point to the one who has brought restoration. And that goes to um, the very first, um, or one of the very first promises that God gave me is in Joel 2.25. It says, Then I will compensate you for the years that the swarming locusts have eaten, the creeping locusts, the stripping locusts, and the gnawing locusts, my great army which I sent among you. That part, I will compensate you or I will restore to you the years. That was a promise that God made, that I will redeem that which was meant for evil. I look at the life of Joseph. Joseph went through some pretty awful things. God allowed it all to happen for the salvation of many. And in uh, Genesis uh, 50, 18 through 21, it just says that, you know, then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, do not be afraid for am I, am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to keep many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. That to me is, while we may not fully understand why God let bad things happen to each and every one of us, the, the promise is that no tear is wasted. God is always working about and bringing about good for those who believe in him. And that that those two words, but God, what you meant for evil, but God meant for good. So everything that the enemy has thrown at me over the years, um, from addiction to abuse to trauma, all the things, was allowed to happen for the present result of helping other people. Which gets to um, one of my favorite verses in Revelation um, where it says, but they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Our testimony is our story, and our story has a purpose and a meaning. I'm really glad that you brought up Joseph um, in this, Stephen, um, talking about what he's saying to his brothers there at the end, that what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And I think that's that's a really important message we have to remember, um, that um you know, people don't do the right things all the time, but God is always going to be doing the right things. And and when you talk about, you know, w- within your own personal story, how you've been able to impact so many other people who have gone through the same things, who have, you've been able to encourage them. You know, one of the questions that people will say, especially with, with what we're talking about now, why does God allow bad things to happen? People will say, well, if God doesn't allow bad things to happen to others, then he wouldn't have had to allow it to happen to you. And then nobody would have to have bad things, right? Like, like, um, you know, you know, why, why does other people have to have it? So you have to have it too. Um, but you know, the funny thing about that is that's describing the garden of Eden. (laughs) There was, there was no bad, there was no, uh, no sin in the world. It was a literally perfect place. And yet because of sin, 
because of evil, because sin, evil entered into the world. And so, you know, the question can really easily be asked, why doesn't God allow, like, well, why doesn't God just wipe out all evil? He wouldn't have to allow it to you if he doesn't allow it to others. Um, The simple thing is, well, that was his plan, but we messed it up. (laughs) So, right. Well, Well, yeah. And I mean, it, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, Stephen. Give you a chance to respond to what Dylan said, and then maybe I can mention something. Yeah, it was just the um, that aspect of you know God causes the rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. You know, there it's God is sovereign, and I think that as people we have a hard time um, accepting that when bad things happen to us because if God is sovereign, then that means He was in control. And could have stopped it. Any any of the bad things, right? The uh, from the fall to you know whatever is happening in someone's life in the moment. If God is sovereign, which we see all throughout Scripture that He is, then He is in control of everything. He has a purpose and a plan for everything. That doesn't mean that we like it <laughs> all of the time. But if we can get to a point where we accept that God is sovereign and that God is in control and that even though bad things have happened, but God can use them to bring about the result which could save someone's life, their eternal life, not only their physical life, but their eternal life as well, then our perspective begins to change and we stop viewing things in light of the here and now and we view them in light of the eternity. And, you know, there's still justice. God is a just God. And that that, that could be a whole nother podcast, but just the just knowing that God is sovereign, that he can and will use what has happened to you for good. Because without the fall, would we have gotten Christ? Again, a whole nother podcast episode where you could theorize that. <laughs> But those kinds of things are where, where I hope Christians can, can get to a point where they look at their life and go, you know what, my life is completely out of control because I've tried to do it. What if I try something different and I put the God of the universe, the one who is sovereign over everything, what if I put him in charge? What would that look like? Yeah, that's, that's good, Stephen. And, um, you know, I really appreciate what you said about, um, uh, you know, I guess what I'm getting at is when when you think about life and you think about the book of Job in particular, too, you know, you've you've got these players, right? You've got, I like to think of it as kind of a a baseball game. And, uh, you know, you've got God uh, uh, in the field. You've got Satan and his influence. You've got man and his free will. And then, and then you've also got uh, this realm that Ecclesiastes talks about, uh, which is chance, you know, things just happen. And, um, and, and like you say, God is sovereign, you know, he, he's, he's in the field, but he's also over the field. And he, he could just like an umpire, he could just stop the game if he wanted, he could just stop everything. But he allows these things, he allows uh, you know, he allowed Satan to become who he was, and he allows man to exercise a degree of free will. And he he's the only one that ultimately knows how to strike the balance with with all of it. 
you know, to, to like Paul says in Acts 17, he, he sets the boundaries uh, of man's dwellings. He, he knows uh, how far to let things can go, and, and he's the only one. And at the end of the day, you know, we can appreciate someone like yourself um, perhaps coming to this moment of enlightenment. And, uh, you know, really all we can say sometimes is like, Paul, perhaps this happened. You know, perhaps this happened for this reason. Maybe, you know, uh, like in uh, Philemon and Onesimus, this, this, all, this all came about. Maybe he fled because he could come back as a Christian. We don't always know. We don't always have those moments of enlightenment. Some may be going through some troubles and they may not ever come to that moment of clarity like, like, like you did. But if we can practice, I think, you know, what the proverb says, that the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord that we just have a healthy respect and reverence and say, you know, even if I never come to this moment of clarity with the pain that I'm going through, the troubles, I, I, I can't come to this understanding. Why did this happen? I had a cousin who, whose baby died, you know, a month uh, after it was born. Even if she never can come to that moment of clarity and understand, where else are you going to put your trust? You know, where else, as a, where else are you going to put your faith, you know. Uh, it's just like Peter said when Christ said, are y'all going to leave too? And he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? That's right. Yeah, it, that, that is exactly like there, the only way that anyone truly comes to um, any sort of, of healing is by going to God by relying on him fully. You know, as as Americans, we tend to value our independence, but with God, we should value our dependence on him. Yeah, I think I think that's spot on. Um, Stephen, I, I appreciate you coming on here, talking with us about this. Uh, this has been, it's been a tough conversation. It's been a good one. And um, what I'd like to do is before we close out, I'd like to give you the opportunity to tell us a little bit about your book. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Um, so my my debut novel is The City of Snow and Stars. And uh, it's book one of a trilogy. It's technically book one of 12 overall <laughs> that I have planned. Um, I'm a glutton for punishment that way. <laughs> um, but when I set out to write this book, I I wanted to explore my own pains and hurts through fiction. And so I wrote Trinia and I wrote Udar. And uh, they're two of my favorite characters because um, throughout the book, they are having and really forced to deal with their own brokenness, to deal with their demons, to face their pains. And as I wrote, um, God just revealed more and more to me how um, this was meant for others, not just myself, and specifically for my fellow uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, dealing with these hard topics um, was difficult for me because I was like, no one's going to want to read this (laughs) because of these hard topics. And God was just kind of like, leave that part to me. You just do what I told you to do. And I still wrestled with that. I still tried to, to take control of my book. Um, but the, 
the the focus of this book in particular is Trinia. And she has suffered and suffers um, all of the ranges of abuse that I spoke about um, earlier in the podcast. And she goes on the run um, because her father wants to use her power, which is the ability to perfectly duplicate herself in mind and body, um, to create an unstoppable army, to rebuild the old kingdom or the old empire of the Ergid. And God is in this book, and he manifests himself um, to the people, to Udar um, uh, specifically. And they have a very contentious relationship because Udar is just like, yeah, I don't want to do the thing that that I asked for of you. I don't want to do it anymore. And so I'm just going to hide. Uh, Elohai, as uh, God is named in the book, um, is kind of like, yeah, I love you enough to say no to that one. <laughs> and and so uh, Udar is kind of forced out of uh, his hiding of lurking in the shadows. And I mean, it is, it is very raw um, because a lot of what these characters go through, the whole spectrum of characters go through, are things that I myself have gone through or I have talked and heard from other people about. Um, but I just want to share two of my favorite quotes um, from this, and then, then I'll be done. The, the first one, uh, both of them are by the character Mandar, who is a talking wolf, who is just the broest of bros. Um, he says, do you want to know something that I've learned um, over the centuries about people? When they say they're fine, it means they're really not. And that's one of the things that I talk about consistently. And one of the things that repeatedly comes up with the characters is they're like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. But you know that they're not because you've seen what has happened. The second one, and uh, this is one that my mentor uh, in group had, had shared with me. And then uh, I ended up using in the book because it just it fits so beautifully is, again, Mandar um, saying, there's no such thing as coincidence when you serve a sovereign God because everything has a purpose. And so um, I love the book um, because of what God has done with it, what he's shown me through it, what I hope other people will um, also get out of it. Um, you know, right now um, on Amazon, the ebook is uh, on a promo price for the holidays um, at 99 cents. So people can pick that up. You can buy it wherever, almost everywhere books are sold Kobo, Barnes and Noble, um, maybe not bookstores yet. Haven't got quite that far. I only pu- published on, <laughs> on Monday. Um, but yeah, so my, my hope for people is that no matter where it is that they find themselves when they're holding the book, that God will just reveal himself to them um, in a way that is deeply personal and that he would just rain down um, his love upon them as they, as they read the story. Well, Stephen, we, uh, we appreciate you coming on and, and we, we wish you the best of luck with your book. Um, we uh, have enjoyed this conversation and uh, just again, want to thank you. Thank you very much for, for coming on and being so open and honest with us. Uh, for, for all of our listeners, uh, if you would uh, like to learn more ways to help us at the, the Bible Conversations podcast, we 
We simply ask that you uh, listen to the uh, next next 30 seconds or so and, uh, and, and give us your support. We love you very much. Uh, excited for the next episode. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening to the Bible Conversations podcast. I want to tell you about a couple of ways in which you can be involved or help us out. You can like us on Facebook and share our posts. You can send us an email at kcocbibleconversations at gmail.com. You can follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can even leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We're also partnering with Ministry League. This is a wonderful app full of so many different resources to help you grow your faith. We love you all. Now let's go start a conversation.